0: Because
1: women are always told to ignore what we want sexually uh, for our male partners. And I think casual sex allows women to sort of step out of that role because you don't have that feeling of obligation or like you're putting on sort of a a persona because it's a stranger that you're not going to see again. So a lot of that is stripped away.
0: Welcome to The Deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. Are you a slut? Do you know any? What do you think when I say that word? Slut. Dirty, sexy, degrading. Can men be sluts? Would you see them the same way? Nadia Bokhati is ready to reclaim the word to reframe what slut means to us all. Today we look at female empowerment through our sexuality, and Nadia is passionate we change the way we see ourselves, our bodies, and our sex. This is the realest sex talk you will hear in a long time. Nadia, welcome to The Deep.
1: It's good to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: I know you are definitely a woman that is ready to go there because you kind of, like you're a woman after my own heart. I want to start by saying, or even asking, how do you feel with the term slut?
1: It's, uh, that's a really good question. Um, for me, I think it's something that, I'm sort of really re energized about because I'm seeing a lot of women actually reclaim it. You know, I think it's, there's been a real turning point in the past few years, particularly with Amber Rose's slut walk over in, um, the States, which was all about reclaiming a slur that has been used to degrade sexually confident women and women who openly enjoy sex. And so, um, I'm seeing a lot of women reclaim that word in the same way that you know, the LGBTQIA community has reclaimed the word queer and uh, the, the fat positive community has reclaimed the word fat. So, um, I think that uh, the way that I see slut is something that has definitely been used, it's historically been used to degrade women, but um, I see it as an empowering term now. I say that you know, I call myself pro ho and pro slut, um, and I, I'm all about you know, women, you know, having a slutty exploration phase and, you know, coming into their sexual power. And I think slut doesn't necessarily have to be a derogatory term that we apply to
0: that. Are you a slut?
1: I would like to think that I am. Yeah. I mean, the way that I would define a slut is just uh, a woman who Embraces her sexuality and enjoys sex as openly as a man does, and so I think every woman should be a slut in that sense.
0: I mean, you are pretty ballsy with the content you make and the experiments you do. Can we talk about finding a hundred men for sex?
1: Yeah. So I, I basically uh, it was a, a video I did for YouTube. Uh, and basically I propositioned a hundred different men for sex. And the idea was basically to flip the script on men, uh, essentially doing the same thing that obviously men do to women online, not just on dating apps, but on social media as well. And just to see what the reaction would be if I s- essentially did the same thing that men do, uh, so often to women. Mm.
0: And what? did you have to actually, sounds bizarre, did you have to follow through? Like if they were like, yes, meet me here at 7pm. What happened?
1: No, I didn't follow through. I uh, I just recorded the results. Um, there might have been a few disappointed guys waiting, uh, <laughs> waiting, waiting for me to show up. I'm not really sure. Um, but uh no, I uh I didn't follow up. I, I I'm in a relationship at the moment and I was when I was doing the experiment. My boyfriend's a good sport. I'm always doing all sorts of crazy things and um he just kind of goes along for the ride. I'm like, babe, I'm just propositioning a hundred men for sex for a YouTube video. He's like, Yep, cool, have fun.
0: <laughs> what a man, right? Thank God for him. Yeah. Open minded and brilliant. But before that, you did tell me about another I don't want to call it experiment because it's something you did with your life, but having seven one-night stands in seven days, can we talk about how that comes about and what you learnt?
1: Yeah, so I I actually wrote a story about it which went crazy viral and I, I think a lot of the reason it went viral was because the crux of what the story was about, which was about me coming out of a marriage and rediscovering myself sexually, which is something that a lot of women go through. And I I think a big part of that is because we don't really sort of get offered other options as women growing up. It's very much sort of our lives are laid ahead of us that it's expected we're going to, you know, grow up, meet a boy, fall in love, get married and settle down. And I followed that script and realised that actually I didn't like it at all um, and it was no fault to my partner. You know, I had a great husband but I wasn't happy in the marriage. Marriage wasn't for me and I was conflicted over what it meant to be a wife and to be someone's wife and to take someone's name and um just so much of the construct of it didn't sit comfortably with me. And so eventually when the marriage dissolved after nearly 10 years, um I came out of it and felt I guess I had it sounds quite wanky, but I had sort of like an eat pray love kind of like self-discovery, but more slutty. Mm. <laughs> um so basically it, it it sounds quite odd, but the whole time I was with my husband, I never felt that I could speak up for myself sexually. It was nothing that he had done as a man. You know, he was a great a partner, he never put pressure on me sexually, but I never felt that I could speak up when he was doing something I didn't enjoy in the bedroom. I felt that pressure, as so many women do, not to hurt his feelings and to just go along with it. And Mm. likewise, when I wanted to try something new in the bedroom, I wouldn't be open and upfront in speaking about that because I would be worried about, you know, what would he think about me and what if this doesn't bring pleasure to him? And I very much as a woman saw my role as bringing sexual pleasure to my male partner. And so when I came out of the marriage, it was a real sort of awakening for me because I started having casual sex, I discovered dating apps which hadn't really been around before I got married, and so I was kind of like a kid in a candy store discovering like Bumble and going on all these dates. And I realized that when you're having a one-night stand with a total stranger that you're not going to see the next day, you stop giving a shit about what that person's going to think about you. And so all those hang-ups I had in the marriage about worrying about hurting my partner's feelings. If I told him something he was doing wasn't right, or if I asked him to try something new, I didn't care about that anymore because I thought, I'm never going to see this guy again. You know, when the sun is up, he's going to get an Uber and leave. So I actually found that I was able to speak up for myself sexually more. Mm. And I sort of rediscovered myself through casual sex. I guess sleeping with strangers was kind of like a vehicle for that for me. And it just so happened that I ended up having, not by any sort of planning, but the seven one night stands in seven days as part of this period. And I wrote about my experiences. And so many women wrote to me to say, you know, I had a similar slutty period coming out of my long-term relationship or my marriage. And I really relate to what you went through in terms of finally learning to tap into what you wanted sexually because women are always told to ignore what we want sexually uh, for our male partners and I think casual sex allows women to sort of step out of that role because you don't have that feeling of obligation or like you're putting on sort of a a persona because it's a stranger that you're not going to see again so a lot of
0: that is stripped away men would never say, I went through a slutty phase. You know what I mean? (laughs) They just don't even say, they don't even say they go through a phase. They just are. And it's like, we have to define ourselves by moments in time. Like I was married and I was a good girl. And then I was a slutty girl. And then I was a relationship girl where men are just like, I'm just Bob.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Men have that sort of permission to Um, go after they want and to do what they want. And that's really celebrated. That's considered a very masculine trait to go after and pursue things you want. And it's not considered to be a feminine trait to do the same, to pursue pleasure and pursue things that we want because women and girls are conditioned from a very young age, to be people pleasers. And Mm -hmm. our role is all about the pleasure we can bring other people, right from being little girls and you know, having our grandparents or whatever or our relatives tell us, you know, isn't she a pretty little girl? Spin in that dress for us so we can watch you spin in that dress. It's all about the visual pleasure that we can bring to someone else by us looking pretty. And so our role very much becomes bringing pleasure to others and neglecting our own, not just neglecting our own pleasure, but neglecting our own basic comfort and needs.
0: Because mm. when you say that marriage wasn't for you, in retrospect, maybe not that particular man, but say that you did feel supported to be vocal or to experiment with him or even to potentially have an open relationship if that was something you both wanted. Is it marriage as a concept isn't for you or was it that marriage?
1: Uh, I think it was a combination. I I think that that relationship had probably run its, you know, lifespan. And I also believe that Marriage as a construct seems to be something that benefits men more than it does women. Women are expected to give up our name and take on our male partner's name. And, I mean, if you look at the origins of marriage, it was about a man taking ownership of a woman. And though we don't say that today, there is still this implicit idea that a man owns his wife. and I think there's there's an issue as well because there's this whole Madonna Hall complex where men, a lot of men struggle to see a woman as both a sexual, you know, creature and also a nurturing mother of their children. And when a woman goes into that role of wife and mother, a lot of men aren't able to look at her. As also a sexual being anymore, um, and th- there's that whole there's that whole dichotomy around it. So, for me, there's a, certainly in my life there's a lot more pros to not being married and to uh, I think not having the pressure that a relationship is only successful if we both make it to the coffin together. That a relationship can be successful if it lasts for two years, two minutes, 20 years, whatever. Um, I think we put a lot of undue pressure on women and men really that we have to make it work with this one person forever and it really doesn't matter if you're, you know, absolutely miserable and the relationship is sex-starved and, you know, emotionally barren. That doesn't matter because you made a commitment and now you need to see it through. The way I see it is, you know, our our lives are very short. Um, Depending on what you believe, you might think you get another shot at it. But for me, I think we we really only get one shot at this life and we need to do the things that are going to bring us joy.
0: Mm, It's so funny because I'm hearing all of this and I am married. And I'll tell you one of the deciding factors was he was, and he's going to kill me for saying this, but it was he was the best sex I'd ever had. So I was like, I am locking you why would, in.
1: <laughs> why would he kill you for saying this? He would love you for saying no, this. No, <laughs> he's
0: so private. He's so private. He's gonna someone will listen to this and send it to him. Um I I was just like, you, me, forever. Yes, I want that all of the time. But so much of what you've just said, I do want to discuss. When we as women. I don't think we have grown up in a society that allows us to explore, right? So a lot of people will be listening to you and, and be like, oh, my God, I had this really long-term relationship or I was married and yes, and then broke up and I got to find myself through sex, right? Yeah. What do you think we would be doing and how would we be as women if we were given permission to do this safely growing up?
1: When women claim their sexual power and they come into their own and they explore themselves sexually and romantically on their own terms, it is much easier then for women to speak up for themselves in every other aspect of their lives. Mm -mm. If I'm allowed to be crass here, I have a specific way that I, I, I like to sum this up. When you, you are completely stripped naked and the other person you are with is completely stripped naked and you are staring down the barrel of a cock, it really is nothing. If you can speak up for yourself then that's the most vulnerable you're ever going to be ever as a human being. It doesn't get any more vulnerable than that. It really is not going to be a big deal to go into work and ask for the pay rise that you have, you know, had ignored for the last couple of years or speak up in a meeting or not let a guy speak over you. Whatever it is, those things become easier when you can speak up for yourself at your absolute most vulnerable. And we don't get any more vulnerable then when we are stripped naked with another person who's all, also stripped naked and we're telling them what we want sexually, that's mm. as vulnerable as it gets. So I think if we allowed women to live on their own terms, sexually and romantically, to go back to your question, then the world would be a very different place for women because I believe a lot more women would be able to speak up for themselves in every other aspect of their lives.
0: Yeah. And you know, I think. I want to move on a little bit to you get some heavy shit thrown at you on social media. You trigger men badly, like you really trigger men and they come after you and it's vicious. What is it that makes them feel like they can attack your looks, your body, your body hair, Um Talk to me about this experience because I find it fascinating that you're such a target. That's what I want to know is why do you feel that men are targeting you? Because,
1: quite simply, because I am a woman who talks openly about female pleasure from a totally female-centric place and men have a lot of difficulty with reading stories in which they are not the center of the narrative because you know our men have been raised in a culture where they are they're always the center of the narrative you know women are the supporting characters in movies you know they did a a breakdown of like all the best you know top movies for the last 20 years or whatever and found out that women spent only like 15 to 20% of the entire film speaking, even when they were given larger roles. So, men men watch, you know, very much in popular culture that they are the center, you know, they are the star attraction. And it's very hard for a lot of men to grasp that this is just a woman speaking about her experience. A lot of men actually don't have a great deal of curiosity about women and what goes on in women's lives. They don't want to listen to it. And they become irate that their perspective isn't involved and you know I get I get emails nearly every day from men these are not experts these are not like academics or lecturers or you know people who've written books this is just joe blow down the street writing me an essay length email on why I need to interview him for my next column because he can provide a good male perspective and my column is lacking in male perspective and I always politely write back and say if you want a male perspective just go literally anywhere else on the internet or just the <laughs> world You can get it quite easily. My column is written by a woman for women. If men would like to come to the party and learn, I welcome that. That is brilliant, uh, but this is not a space for you. And that triggers men, and quite often the reaction shifts very quickly to you ugly, fat, disgusting whore. And I think it's hard for men to just accept a woman living on her own terms. Like I post pictures on Instagram showing my hairy armpits uh, and men say, well, that's absolutely disgusting. I'd never have sex with you. And I'm like, okay, cool. I don't want to have sex with you. And I have no interest in making my physical aesthetic be appealing to a man. I'm My partner that I'm with, that happens to be a man, Loves me for the person I am, and he could care less if my whole hair was, my whole body was covered in hair, or if I weighed another fifty kilos, because that is not why he is with me. He does not value me as an object for his visual pleasure.
0: It just seems um, almost crazy, like that. That is where their thoughts go: Armpied hair equals I don't want to have sex with you. I need to tell her. I'm going to put this um, as as a comment. Like that just is mind-blowing for me. What I do want to bridge the gap with, though, is you are pro-porn. Yes. Um, Now, I've had a porn star on the show and I discussed with her, she's mainstream porn, and I discussed with her the responsibility of her work being out there and young men and women believing that that is how sex should be. Um, and then recreating that or, or having expectation of that. With porn, do you see that can be dangerous? I'm pro-porn too. I'm just asking your perception of that.
1: Oh, I I could not agree more in terms of porn not being a learning tool and the fact that, um, you know, a lot of specifically young men do use porn as a bit of a measuring stick for female pleasure and then try to replicate things uh, which may be, you know, not enjoyable things for women. They may be things which uh, cross the line of consent. Uh, I think we sometimes, we have a hard time remembering that porn is a performance. We, because, you know, we, we can watch like an action movie, like an Arnold Schwarzenegger film and watch Arnold Schwarzenegger get his head blown off. And we know that's not really what happened. We know that that was a a stunt or whatever, but we watch porn and we think that this guy put his dick in a a woman a couple of times and she had multiple screaming orgasms. And we think, okay, that's how women tell themselves. That's how my body should work. What the hell is wrong with me? And men tell themselves, great, that's what I need to do to get a woman off. But I don't blame the porn industry for that at all. I blame sex education. I blame the school curriculum. I have been before I was a journalist, I was a high school teacher and I have like been in the system and seen how inadequate and how poor sex education is. And sex education honestly leaves more questions than it ever gives answers. And young people are, you know, desperate for information about sex and so there's really nowhere else for them to turn than to porn. And so if we want people to not be using porn as a learning tool – we need to teach them in other ways, and that should be coming through school. I see that as the school's role, and I don't think we need to demonise porn, but I think it we need to not use porn as a learning tool for the way that sex works. In the same way that I would say don't go and watch a romance movie and expect your boyfriend to be like Ryan Gosling or you will be horribly freaking disappointed. <laughs> you know, it's It's a fantasy that you are watching. And so, we need to be
0: able to separate that. So, which part of you is pro-porn? What angle?
1: I am pro-porn because I think porn is a fantastic way to discover your own sexuality, work out what it is that turns you on. It's also a great tool to discuss things with your partner. A lot of people say to me, you know, I've, I've got this secret foot fetish or I've got this secret, you know. Role play thing that I've always wanted to try out with my partner, but I feel so uncomfortable to bring it up. I just don't know if I can ever bring it up. And I say, well, good news is you can find anything on porn. So go and find that thing on porn and play it, watch it with your partner, and watch your partner's reaction. Use it to open up a discussion and say, you know, what do you think of that? Do you find that hot? Would you like to try that out? Um, I think it's great for that. And then I also think porn is brilliant in the sense that we can see all people and all types of fantasies and sexuality and and the gender spectrum uh, and body abilities, we can see all of it represented in porn. We can see pregnant people. We can see people in wheelchairs. We can see uh, women of colour. We can see people of every spectrum of life in porn acting out every possible fetish and fantasy that you can dream of. If you get off by watching someone – uh, smash their face into a cake, you can find porn on that. There is porn on everything, <laughs> which will remind you that you are less alone and less weird than you think. Because I guarantee you, if you go and Google that on Pornhub, you'll find you know a thousand results or whatever. So, porn is a great way to normalize a lot of aspects of sex and normalize a lot of aspects of human bodies. And we are seeing now more of a, the wave of feminist porn, which is seeing a lot more sort of Uh, more quote-unquote normal bodies. I cringe to use the word normal, but more bodies that aren't as insta-perfect and, you know, bodies that are, you know, people of of colour and people of different, um, you know, abilities. And I think that is really important as well.
0: Mm. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, Can we go into how to become a bit more slutty, whether single or in a relationship? Let's cover it all. I want to help anybody listening right now go, where do I begin? Like if I'm married, how do I get my slut on, you know, with my husband, my partner, my long-term partner? I think it's
1: very difficult for women and you have to start small because, you know, like we were talking about earlier, women have been conditioned from a very young age to put their pleasure and their comfort last. And so the simple act of just speaking up for yourself can be absolutely mammoth for a lot of women. I mean, I have women that will email me after they've read one of my columns and say, actually, I haven't told my husband of 20 years that I faked all my orgasms with him. I've read lots of emails from people saying that. Um, And so I think it's very hard. So I think you need to start in small steps just starting to prioritize not even your pleasure but just your comfort just starting to do things like asking your partner to involve you know a uh, a tube of KY jelly a, a lot of women don't get lubricated enough before sex either because their partner is rushing over the foreplay or because of a myriad of other reasons that, you know, means that human women are just not human waterfalls. Sometimes we can be turned on and we don't get lubricated, especially if we're on antidepressants or the birth control pill. If we're under stress or we're going through menopause, many things can affect that. So having lubrication, just something like incorporating KY jelly can massively improve your comfort and then your ability to experience pleasure as a woman. And so I think just this, the small act. Of bringing that into the bedroom and saying to your husband, Hey, I would like you to start bringing out the tube of KY jelly every time we start having sex and just allowing yourself to experience what it's like to have that step up of comfort and then to step it up in baby steps from there. Start um, asking for things that you want to try in the bedroom. And a lot of women I know are going to be listening to this and say, Well, I don't know what I want to try because it's never occurred to me that what I want matters. Uh, in which case I would go back to porn and say, go and watch some porn, watch all kinds of porn and find something in there that turns you on. And then ask your partner, hey, can we try that thing? I would really like to try that thing out. I, that That looks interesting to me. I'd like to give that a go
0: you know, a cheeky way, you could even just send them a link. Like you don't even have to talk. Like if you're feeling shy, you could just be like, Hey, found this looks cool. And then just send them a link and they can open it and be like, Whoa. And then you can have the conversation maybe from there for the single ladies, maybe that are even coming out of a marriage or maybe, you know, like in their 30s, 40s, not just young single women? Because I am finding that the young single women are feeling more sexually empowered. Um, Would you say that's right?
1: Yeah, absolutely, because young women are having access to more sex-positive female role models than you and I had, Zoe, when we were growing up. We didn't have people like Amber Rose in the Slut Walk over in LA that's about celebrating women's right to reclaim their sexuality. We didn't have these sorts of things and so I think there are – more positive, sex-positive role models. Women like Cardi B, you know, the WAP song has been great for really uh, igniting a conversation around female pleasure and the fact that, you know, women can do the same things that men have been doing and we can do it just as unapologetically. Um, And so, yeah, I absolutely think younger women have a much safer space to be able to explore themselves sexually and to to not feel shame around that.
0: So say they miss the cutoff of that, right? And they're like, okay, I'm single, I do want to explore, but I also, there's a lot of, you know, strange men with strange expectations as well. How do I be clear with what I want to do and where I want to go with this?
1: Yeah, I think um, in terms of the strange expectations from men, I think that really does come back to uh, we have to remember that we're not only shortchanging girls in sex education we short-changing boys as well because they just do not have a clue about how female pleasure works and they are really just trying the best they can do by replicating things that they've seen in porn. And the majority of men will actually be quite relieved and quite enthused to be given a little bit of instruction in the right direction. I know women think that if I tell him to change path and do this other thing it's going to hurt his feelings but I can guarantee you, because I, so many, so many men, you know, will reach out to me when my column comes out. I'll get hundreds of emails from men saying, you know, I wish, I wish my wife would tell me this. I wish my girlfriend would tell me this. Uh, men, men actually want the feedback. So first of all, keep that in mind. And second of all, I would say there really is something to be said. And look, I'm not going to say it's for everyone. You have to do you, but I really think there is something to be said for having a ho phase and going and having a bunch of no strings attached casual sex because there is a certain liberation in not having to see that person again, not worrying about if the thing you ask them to do or if the thing you ask them not to do is going to hurt their feelings because in another three hours, they're going to be getting in an Uber and going home anyway. And so I think there is something to be said for that. Uh, But then the last thing I would say, and this, this applies to absolutely all women, whether you're single, in a relationship, whether you are open to having casual sex or you just think that's not for you, is to invest in your sex life and your sexuality in the same way that you invest in every other part of your life, your health and your lifestyle, like going out with girlfriends for dinners and things, buy yourself a vibrator, buy a clitoral vibrator discover your clitoris, learn what your body likes and doesn't like, and you will just be amazed at how much you are empowered then with that newfound knowledge to speak up for yourself in the bedroom. Because once you experience the immense pleasure that your body is able to bring you, you're not going to want to go back from that. And so many women aren't able to experience that pleasure when they're with a partner because we're too in our own heads. We're worried about our fat rolls or our cellulite or the way the light looks or if our makeup smudge. We're worrying about so many things. Masturbation is a real safe haven for women and girls because we don't have pressure. If if you need to take three hours, take three hours. You're not, you know, holding anyone up. It's just you alone in your bedroom and you can take it at your own pace. You can stop when you need to stop. You can do it multiple times. You can do Whatever works for you. And once you've done that, it's going to be so much easier to go into partnered sex with that newfound knowledge and also confidence, because it is going to give you that confidence to speak up for yourself sexually.
0: Should we both give a secret away? Like my secret to everyone is post, if you've already done the um, clitoral stimulator and you're ready for something new, this is still clitoral, but the womanizer. Like is my gift to everyone today is go and buy one of those because <laughs> that to me was a real game changer.
1: Yeah, I've spoken to a lot of women about not just the Womanizer but the clitoral suction toys, and a lot of women have said that that was that was the real uh, eye opener for them in terms of just learning the amount of pleasure their bodies could receive. Um, mm. For people that haven't heard of the clitoral suction toys like the Womanizer. Um Basically, the premise of them is it's very lazy masturbation because you don't have to rub it around or pull it in and out. You just put it on your clitoris and lie back and enjoy the pleasure. But what it does is that very gentle suction. It's not like a vacuum cleaner suction. It's very, very, very gentle. Um, it draws blood flow into the clitoris, which means that the clitoris slowly starts to get more and more engorged. And the clitoris gets very engorged right before we have an orgasm. So for women who struggle to orgasm, who have a lot of difficulty orgasming, usually it's actually a problem with genital blood flow. I know myself, I was on antidepressants for a couple of years and they like birth control, reduce genital blood flow. They make you a lot more sort of muted downstairs. And so, a toy like the womanizer or something with a clitoral suction um, tip on it is going to basically hack your body because it's going to force that blood flow into the clitoris. Uh, and the orgasms are going to come thick and fast. So, it's definitely a good recommendation.
0: Very fast indeed. And I also want to say, because, you know, I'm really happily married, but this is like a PSA, I didn't get to have a one night stand. And I, I regret that. You know, I regret even if it was awkward and weird and uncomfortable, I can't say that I got to do that. And that is, I bought into society structure that that wasn't allowed. And I'm, I'm disappointed, you know, that I didn't get to do that, whether that was with a male or a female. So If you're listening to this and you are single or you're listening to this um, and you've just broken up or whatever, I think it can be a really exciting subject to immerse yourself in. It really can be. And I know a lot of it can be um, overwhelming and daunting if you are on the apps because a lot you know, it's, I've, I'm married, but I've been through friends messages and that's intense, but I think you can also find a really beautiful way to give yourself space with your sexuality, you know, and I don't mean that when you're not in relationship, because you can give yourself space to do that, but don't you think there's something so beautiful with singledom?
1: Absolutely. I think it is a really great time to discover yourself. And I think, We really have it sort of pummeled into us that we don't sort of become valuable to society until we are attached to a man. And so there is a lot of pressure to just hurry up and get in a relationship that might not be a marriage. That might just be bouncing from one boyfriend to another. And so, you know, it's about sort of realizing that we actually have plenty of value on our own that women have just as much value as men do because society does not look at men as needing a woman in order to be valued. It's really something Mm. we put on, it's something that we put specifically on on women, you know. You look at men, men are always called Mr, M-R. My boyfriend's name is Kai. Uh, You know, he'll be Mr always whether he's married or not married, whereas women we are miss or we are misses. Our whole identity is basically determined around whether or not we are attached to a man, whether or not we get to be called a miss or a missus. Our actual way we identify is based off whether or not we are attached to a man. And so that puts undue pressure on us to be constantly pursuing a relationship when the reality is that we are just great as we are. And there's a lot of fun to be had, just being on your own and enjoying your own time.
0: You are, you're living it, you're embodied right now. And I don't know if that's because it's your personality or it's your career, but how do you start to do things and explore things such as society norms and challenging them? So letting your armpit hair grow out and just vibing it and seeing if it's for you or it's not, or Trying uh, interesting types of sex, or whatever it is that allows you to push back an, a societal norm, how did that begin for you? Because I, I do want to challenge people to push back if it doesn't feel right for them.
1: It's really about just starting small and um, about n- not taking no for an answer when things are really important to you. Um, I went, have been through a nearly 10-year journey of having endometriosis and having doctors deny my pain, tell me the pain was all in my head. And the research shows that women on average take seven years. This is the average mm. seven years to receive a diagnosis of endometriosis. Mine took nearly eight uh, because of the fact that women's pain is constantly minimized and denied. And this is part of the way that we tell women that their needs, their comfort, their pleasure, their desires, these things do not matter. Just go away, just ignore it, just deal with it. People tell it to me online when I'm having people bully me online. They say, don't speak up about it, just ignore it. And it's about actually pushing back and saying, no, actually, I'm not going to ignore it because women have been told to be quiet, To go away, to just ignore things for all of time, and it's gotten us precisely nowhere. And so, speaking Mm. up is so important.
0: And it's it's a really tricky one because I've had endo for years and years and had two removals, and I'm starting to get symptoms back. And even because it's silenced as well, we're not even allowing men to hear what's going on to make it normal. So I was interviewing someone, and I, I hemorrhage during my. My periods. And I was in an interview and it was two men in the room. And I couldn't like even normalize it. Like, obviously, I'm feeling awful. I'm also, this thing's happened and it's embarrassing and uncomfortable. And, but it's not, I have to hide it all as well. I have to make them comfortable in my pain. So I think we also have to allow men the, they have to see this, they have to hear it and they have to see it.
1: I completely agree. You know, just listening to your story of how you were more worried about maybe making these men feel slightly awkward or uncomfortable than you were about the fact that you were in probably excruciating pain and discomfort. Um, I think that just is such a metaphor for the way that mm-hmm. women go through our lives. And, you know, that, that's the way that we, we look at ourselves in the workplace. That's how we often are in social settings and with our family, putting our needs at the absolute rock bottom last. And that's very much how we are in bed. You know, there is a, there was a, a study done that found it was something like one third of women have painful or uncomfortable sex and do not even tell their own partners about it. So women are repeatedly having sex that is physically hurting them and saying nothing about it. And you hear that and you think, well, why would someone do something that's hurting them over and over again? Well, it's simple because women have been told for our whole lives that our our comfort doesn't matter. It doesn't mean shit. And so this is something that we now need to actually start unlearning. Like we need to like, if you're listening to this today and you're having like a wake-up call, like, yes, actually, I have ignored my comfort, I have ignored my pain and, and let alone my pleasure, this is the time for us to start, you know start that process of unconditioning ourselves and unraveling all of the BS that we've been taught about, the the facts that we're not entitled to feel comfort or pleasure.
0: So it actually sounds like it's changing our whole lens of how we see the world. It's like from this conversation onwards, it's shifted, right? So it's we cannot go back now that we know. <laughs> all of these things are happening so then how do we move forward when you're questioned why you didn't shave your legs through COVID because I haven't because you don't want to because you don't want you just don't want to and that's okay and that's enough like I think it's about starting to make people feel okay with your choices
1: Yes, it, it is, but a, a bigger part of it is actually about also being okay with the fact that a lot of people aren't going to be okay with your choices mm. because a lot of people genuinely believe that it's your role as a woman to constantly present yourself physically in a way that is pleasing to them and so they're not going to be pleased that you didn't shave your legs for six months or whatever. Um, So for me it's really more about saying, well, I'm going to allow those people to not be happy with the way I look and it's not going to affect me because – I, through doing a lot of work on myself, have realized, and you know I hope people listening in today start to really think about this concept that your worth is not it has nothing to do with the way you look. that's so arbitrary. we can't do anything about I mean we can get some lip injections and whatnot, but we can do very little about it um it's the It's the least interesting thing about us, it's the most boring thing about us what we have to offer the world in terms of what kind of people we are, how kind, how generous, how hardworking we are, these are the things that matter. And so if someone wants to give you shit about not shaving your legs or not wearing a bra or putting on a few kilos, heaven forbid that you actually just allowed yourself to eat and not be constantly distracted with thinking about the size of your waistline, um, you know, then then that is a great opportunity to really, you know, use that as a time to to sort of ask yourself, why does this matter to me? Is it actually something that matters to me or is it just something that I've been conditioned to believe that my role is to make other people feel comfortable and pleasant when they look at me and, mm-hmm. and to really sort of, you know, unpiece that?
0: And I think that also you just made me think of something. If you do feel empowered by having your lips done or Botox or liposuction or whatever it is, that should also be celebrated. I think it's that thing of there's, there can't be shame any which way, right? Like whatever makes a woman feel whole and beautiful should be whatever she wants to do.
1: I absolutely agree. As someone who has a face full of Botox and lip injections, I I wholeheartedly agree. I think um, this idea that when women do put on makeup and we do inject our lips, that we're 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 doing it for men and we're doing it for other people, I think that in in and of itself is problematic. I don't put on makeup to please other people. I didn't get my lips done to please other people. I do it because it makes me feel good and it's a creative expression of myself when I put on different coloured eyeshadow or whatever. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, now that we are coming into this reckoning where we're realising, oh, my gosh, my appearance is not the most important thing about me. It doesn't necessarily mean we have to all go around looking like slobs, though if that's what you want to do, great. But you are allowed to put effort into your appearance, but it's important to remember that that is not – your purpose on this earth. You were not brought here to be a decorative object. You were not Mm -hmm. brought here to be the wallpaper on the walls of the rooms that men live in and that men are able to win and succeed in. You're allowed to be part of that world and you, you, you don't need to always be there to look pretty to someone.
0: Thank you for being the champion for the women. We need somebody. We need more of you, so thank you for that. Well, we need more
1: of you too, Zoe. I love connecting with other women who are on a similar mission uh, to me. I think, um, you know, there's a lot to be said about women being each other's greatest allies and not seeing one another as competition. And the more of us that band together and, you know, do this sort of thing and speak about this sort of stuff, the, the, the better the world becomes for women. So mm. uh, I'm, I'm definitely with you on that.
0: Final question who are you when no one's watching oh that's that's a tricky one because i
1: i'm probably pretty much the same person as i am when people are watching only because i'm just so incredibly uh i think i was just born without like the shame filter i just don't have <laughs> it uh and so i'm largely the same but i would say that i probably the thing that i am more so in private is i will allow myself to be I guess, a bit maybe darker than I am in public. I'm more bubbly in public. I can be a little bit dark in private, but, you know, that's part of the, the rainbow that makes me who I am.
0: Mm, that was so beautiful. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up By direct message on Instagram, at what's the deep? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, everybody. It is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep.